podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to Game Week 13 of the FPL Masterclass. I'm your host, Haydar Abwani. I'm joined by Rob Blanchett, as always. Guys, as always, give us a follow on at TF Masterclass. Give myself a follow on at Haydar underscore Abwani. And give Rob a follow on at underscore Rob underscore B. Game Week 13, we're going to talk about Jaden Sancho mainly today because he could be a player, finally, to bring in for Manchester United. He had some... Uh, He's had some difficult weeks, uh, but uh, how did you do in game week uh, 12? Because it was a bit of a low-scoring one for me, but you did fantastically well. And look, you got 81 points. You sat very nicely in terms of the overall ranking that week as well. And uh, look, your game week ranking is very good as well. Yeah, very happy. 81 points. As I said, average 50 to 60. If you do that, then you're doing something right. 81, I'm delighted. So overall rank now of in the top 20,000 in the world out of 8.6 million players. So I think it shows that some of the method that I use in terms of how to pick FPL teams, uh, and this is what this show is all about, how do you put those tips forward and then how do you use them? There is some method in my madness there. Absolutely. I mean, I hit about 57 points. So I was bang on average. It was an okay week. I actually had two defenders on the bench, which got six points. So I had 12 points sitting on the bench. I had Samedo and I had Simicast, who I didn't expect to start. Uh, well, he did start because Robson was injured. So that frustrated me a little bit. But all in all, you know, I just about hit average or just under the 60 points. But let's go on to the kings of the game week 12. So these are the best players for their respective positions. <clears throat> so let's go through it. He had Sarat Wolves with eight points. The defence was made up of Tyrone Mings, Trent Alexander-Arnold again. Really got a goal. He was there as well. And Reese James, who's emerging, Rob, isn't he, as just as valuable and just as good as Trent Alexander-Arnold. And when you're seeing that James is injured, uh, sorry, Chilwell is injured, James really does emerge as the best Chelsea pick in that defence. Then you had Cancelo that made up the defence. The defenders are doing very, very well this year. You know, Trent, Cancelo and James have been standout. Then the midfield of Mane, Hoiberg, and Kanyos from Brentford. And then you had Dennis, who destroyed Manchester United in that horrible defeat for United in the 4-1. And uh, Benteke. So, again, none of the really big premiums up front. You can't say, you know, someone like Ronaldo's there. But the defence is really where you're getting value this year. And if you had a defence of one of Trent and Cancelo and uh, Reese James, you're doing well. Totally. And I think also seeing the rise of one premium here who's been a perennial favourite for many seasons, of course, is Sadio Mane. So you're looking at Sadio Mane. We'll talk a little bit more about him later on. Uh, but he's up to now second most productive midfielder in FPL. So there are now some extra options. Again, this is what FPL does, isn't it? Every week or two, there's one someone who sneaks in, someone who drops out. When you look at that Kings of Game Week 12, it's all over the place, isn't it? It's it's a case of budget players, some uh, players who are who you'd always have in your team, and so someone like a Cancelo, but then like you know Huiberg, 
you know, Dennis, you know, Dennis, we talked about last week as a super budget option at around 5.2 million. There's plenty you can do this season. It is not like previous years where you've had to have a core of maybe two or three premiums. And then there's a sliding scale in the value, but it's always a little bit easier this year. It's more about watching the teams, seeing who's doing well and following the numbers. And there's plenty of fantastic options this year for you to play around with. Absolutely. And we're going to look at your team as well. So on the right-hand side, guys, if you listen to this on Spotify, we are going through this team. So Rob, you did very well with 81 points. The standouts really, look at that defence. 15 for Trent, 12 for Cancelo, and uh, 12 for James. So, you know, you really did get the bulk of your points there. I mean, you fit all three of them in as well because you sacrificed the premium option in attack, really, haven't you? You haven't got any striker that's... Uh, above maybe 8 million, I believe that's what Antonio is. Looking at the midfield, Salah doing what Salah does. He got a couple of returns as well. Jota has got eight points. Arsenal lost 4-0 to Liverpool. And then you had Sam Maximum gave you your points. But really, the bulk of your points came in that defence. And these defenders aren't defenders. They're, they're attackers and they're must-haves. You've got to have at least one of them in your team. Yeah, Jota there as well. Jota, I think he played about 25 minutes, got you eight points. So this is the point, is that even if someone goes and sits on the bench... There are certain teams with their rotations that will still please you. So I've talked about Manchester City like this in the past. And again, City are one of the teams we're going to focus on this week. Sometimes when you kind of make that mid-range buy, so I think Jota is in that bracket, seven, eight million around that. There's a lot of kind of anxiety around whether it should be a starter or someone who kind of gives good value week to week. So for instance, I got Kai Havertz in my team. This is the last time you'll see Kai Havertz in my team. So why is that? Romelu Lukaku is back. Havertz himself has got a knock. Havertz is not going to play the false nine anymore. And that's great because it means it frees up some money for me. So there will be a couple of transfers that, again, I'll reveal at the end of the show. And transfers that I think will give me long-term benefit. So I, I think with my team, I'm really happy with the balance. And I think this is why I'm getting big numbers week to week. It's about balance. It's not about, as I keep saying, it's not about favourites. It's not about... Uh, maybe just just following the trends. It's about letting your team breathe week to week. St. Maximum, I spoke about him last week uh, and I said I was probably going to sell him this week. But now because of the Havertz news, because of the way that Lukaku's moved around and he's fit, I'll probably keep St. Maximum in my team. But I don't feel... Um, I don't ever feel pressured to play a forward-heavy system because in FPL... It's the defenders who are the true nuggets now. And as you said, my back line there, 15 points, 12 points, 12 points, and a rare bad week for Livramento. I'm all right with that. I can live with that every week. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to move on now to the main part of the show. So before we do that, guys, we're going to talk about, uh, obviously, Sancho. We're going to talk about Liverpool, Spurs, and City in detail today, Robin. You can see why, because you look at Tottenham sitting on this graphic here from... Uh, F the FPL scout Tottenham have got the easiest games, let's say, over the next four game weeks. They've got Burnley, Brentford, Norwich, and Brighton. That's a really, really nice run for them. I mean, their form is a little bit concerning. They were poor yesterday, weren't they? And they lost to, uh, I, can't, I don't even know who the team was. Uh, Mura, I think it was. NS Mura um, from the Slovenian League. So Conte's got his cut out. But there are a few players, aren't there, that you could be picking. We said that Regulon was one of them. We'll talk about him in a sec. You've got Liverpool as well with Southampton, Everton, Wolves and Aston Villa. Then you've got Manchester City with West Ham. So that'll be a quite a tough game. But then they've got Villa, Watford and then Wolves. So, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on this? Because 
there's some very favorable fixtures for those three big sides. Yeah, we'll talk about Spurs, as we said, but I, I think the, the big takeaway here is Liverpool and City moving into a period of three or four games where they've got great matchups. So it's not up to it's it's not essential that you always have to have three from from these two clubs. I, I tend to I'll have three or two, but I think now moving into this little zone is that you've got to have three from each. Doesn't necessarily mean you have to have Salah plus two or uh, Alexander Arnold plus two. You've just got to find your way in and look at the form and go with it. Now there's some obvious picks. I've just said them. They're the obvious ones. But at the same time, when you look at this, you look at Tottenham Hotspur at the top there, they obviously had this really, really bad result um, away in Europe. Will that affect them now going into these mid-range games? Burnley, Brentford, Norwich, Brighton. You might actually find this is actually now a tricky run. So on paper, they've got the best run of fixtures for the next four. But now, you know, I'm not so sure. We wrote this show yesterday. And I did all the planning and all the stats for it yesterday. Then Ralph Ranick happened. And here we are 24 hours on. And it shows how quickly the world of football moves. Because I'm now looking at that Tottenham uh, kind of uh, quadruple there right at the top of this page. And I'm thinking, "Mm, I'm now not so sure. But we'll stick to it and we'll give you the tips that we were going to give you yesterday. Yeah, good point on, on Ranić as well. When you look at uh, Manchester United, they've got Chelsea. Ranić won't be in before Chelsea, but he'll be there for the Arsenal game. So after the Arsenal game, United have got a nice run going into the Christmas period and they could really pick up points from. So, you know, you've got Crystal Palace and Norwich. So there's definitely a, uh, you know, there's definitely a idea to look at Manchester United. But just quickly before we move on, West Ham at the bottom, they've got a difficult run of games, haven't they? They've got City, Brighton, Chelsea and then Burnley. Yeah, and I would say that if you've got Cresswell, that might be a, a problem, or you've got one of the defenders or even the midfielders. Uh, if you've got Antonio, not so much of a problem because he tends to score against the big team. So even if those they lose those games, Antonio is still going to get you returns from an attacking point of view. Absolutely. And now we're going to move on, guys. We'll talk about uh, Sergio Regulon now. And uh, we last week, Rob, that he was a possible hot prospect for... Conte system playing as a wing back as well. He got a goal last week and uh, look, he's got some good form. He's uh, 4.7 on form, nine points last game week. He's uh, only 5.1 million as well. If you're looking for an option um, from Tottenham and he's owned by only 11.6%. He's picked up returns. You're looking at his game weeks so far this season. You know, he's done pretty well at the beginning. He got seven, six and nine. Then, Tottenham at lean spell in the last two game weeks, he's got uh, five points, nine points. Are you looking to bring Regulon to your side this week? Well, I'll reveal that right at the end, but you might guess from what I'm about to say. So, yes, you said 5.1 million. Uh, another thing I love to look at, of course, is the ICT rankings. So, ICT index ranking for defenders of number six out of 213, and he's in the top 10% of overall players as well. He's 60th out of. 631. So I would say at the moment that if you're going to buy into that Spurs market, hold your horses on Harry Kane, hold your horses on Sun. They're they're obviously easy ones, but you're going to have to splash a lot of cash to get them. And you look at Regulon, you look at kind of what he's doing, 50 points already for the season for a fullback. It's really, really good. I think that it shows that he's got the potential to go attacking. And when you look at the kind of makeup of maybe his last two or three games, he is going to play on the front foot. He's going to be allowed to push up the pitch. Um, 
Conte is going to play either a 3-5-2 or a 3-4-3. Um, I think that's a given. We know that's the systems that he will play. And players like Regulon's absolutely going to benefit from that. But he's already informed. This is my point. So even the Spurs have got these, these games coming up. And as we said, after the bad result in Europe, it just now looks a little bit more iffy. I, sh- I wouldn't be overly worried about that because Regulon is still getting returns. If you look at the kind of the week-to-week banner on the left, you know, played 78 minutes and 70 minutes those games, but he got nine and five points. You know, they got uh, he scored a goal, obviously, as well in that last game. I, I think he's solid gold. I think when you're looking at, at players, this is a guy who might now go through the whole of the, the Christmas period with, with week-to-week returns as an attacking fullback. With Chill out as well, I'm evaluating my options. I'm having a look at Trent. I think it will be Trent that comes in because I just don't think you can look at him. I've got Cancelo already. There is Reese James as well. There's a question here saying, with Chilwell injured, um, any worth um, or is it worth putting Ait Nori in for Wolves and freeing up some money or move straight to Rudiger Diaz? I mean, I'd be avoiding, I mean, I'm not sure how much money you have. But I would be avoiding centre backs. I'd be going for these full backs. Re- regular would be a good option. I mean, there's a good uh, question here saying, you know, about Eight Nori, is he going to keep his place with Marcel healthy again? Uh, well, we can't answer that. But what we can say is kind of looking at it from the point of view that you just said there. You know, everyone knows that I pick fullbacks. That's how I do it. So if you pick fullbacks, attacking players, they're more likely to get you just bigger returns and they still get you the clean sheets. What we'll say is that Rudiger is maybe the exception to the rule. Yeah, so he's a guy that also might get you the odd goal, um, kind of in the Van Dyke mould, but maybe a little bit more of a budget option. So I wouldn't say no to him. And Diaz was that was that player as well last season. We just talk about Wolves there. Wolves at the moment are operating with 16 fit players. They're worried about the games coming up. So I would look at that from a, just a football perspective and say that they might struggle. So I would be staying well away from Wolverhampton Wanderers in the next two or three weeks until their team is fit and they've got numbers and they can look after themselves in that aspect. I would stay away from teams like that. When teams have an injury crisis, that's when you you need to kind of reevaluate. And if you're going to buy players, there are plenty on the market. You said Regulon fits that question so perfectly. 5.1 million, what is really the risk if you're thinking about a Wolverhampton player? Um no, I would stay away from Wolves, stay away from centre-backs. But if you do want Rudiger, if you feel good about that with their run of games coming up, then it's not the worst pick in the world. Yeah, he'll offer something in the opposition box, which is more than you can say for a lot of other centre-backs. And uh, yeah, I think he's, look, Rudiger's a good option, but I'm sticking with the full-backs this year and it's, it's working well for me. But Rob, now we're going to talk about, so we mentioned already Spurs, Liverpool and City other sides with really strong fixtures. And what we've got here on the screen now is we've got the top midfielders in FPL. And on the right-hand side, we have got Bernardo. We will talk about Bernardo in much more detail. But Rob, having a look at the Liverpool duo at the top, <laughs> Salah has just raced ahead, hasn't he? It's unbelievable, his form this year. I haven't seen anything like it, even when Ronaldo was here. Um, especially this early on. Obviously, Ronaldo had a great season uh, the year that he won the Ballon d'Or. But I just... I'm shocked at what how well Salah is doing, and that 13 million. I know he's expensive, but he's actually a bargain. Looking at the points, Gallagher I brought him in, and he got me an assist this week. You've got Son, who's got a good run of fixtures, and at 10.4, he's a decent option. I'd be looking at Son over Harry Kane if I was going to bring in the Spurs attacker. Smith Rose had a great season. Ben Rama's there, but then you've got Bernardo. So let's talk about Bernardo because at 7.2 million, he had a difficult season last season, but he really has emerged, hasn't he? As almost 
would you say an essential pick for uh, for players now when you're looking at their midfielders and their midfield options? Well, what's more important is that he's an essential pick for Pep Guardiola. So we know that Pep Guardiola is lucky in the sense that he's got so many good midfielders. He can play midfield roulette, spin the wheel and just see what happens. You know, put players in the likes of Sterling, Foden, obviously a player in my team. When you look at Bernardo Silva, as you said there, and right to highlight, it looked like he was out of the football club come the end of the season. But he's been rejuvenated and been playing more of an attacking role. Um, at the moment, as it stands, he is City's most productive midfielder at, in FPL. So that just tells you everything you need to know. Uh, well above all of his contemporaries in the middle of that Manchester City midfield. Uh, again, looking at ICT rankings and looking at value. So price of 7.2, you know, that's not quite budget, but it's still relatively cheap. It's going to give you value. He's 10th for influence uh, across the whole of FPL. Uh, it shows you he's in the right areas of the box. Threat, he's 13th. Overall ICT ranking for midfield 13th. So he's right up there. Anyone in the top 20 is going to give you returns. And when you're at a team like Manchester City, you're going to get you're going to get chances. You know, it doesn't matter whether City are playing well or not. If you're showing those kind of ICT returns, then you're absolutely going to be in the box and the ball's going to be at your feet at some point or the other. So we've seen it with uh, Bernardo Silva. He's still important to them in the Champions League. He's played lots of Premier League games this season. And I think he is now becoming a little bit of a no-brainer. So Foden was injured. He got a knock. Uh, Phil Foden is back in training. So he's still got the yellow asterisk next to his name because there's this potential that he might not play. But Pep Guardiola said today, like I say to you guys, always look at the press conferences. Pep Guardiola said today, Phil is fine. He's trained really well. There's every chance he'll play. So even though he's still a yellow on uh, on FPL, he's going to be featured in the squad. Doesn't mean he'll start, might get rotated in and out. But like I said at the top of the show, someone like Foden coming off the bench, giving you 20, 30 minutes, he might get you 20 points. You know, that's kind of how crazy it is at these clubs where they have this strong rotation of quality players. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, there is the, you've got to have Jao Cancelo, but there is this idea now that possibly you could pair Foden and Bernardo. I mean, how are you, are you thinking of that strategy? Is that something that you'd be looking to do? You want to get maybe three players from the City squad in there. And the thing is, I'm going to sort of compare that now to the Liverpool duo, because you, you've gone for Salah and Jota, haven't you? And one is very, very expensive and, and Jota's, just as sort of mid-range. But when you're looking at Foden and Bernardo together, I mean, that's much, much cheaper than, say, doubling up on Salah Mane or even Salah and Jota. It is cheaper, but in terms of points, it's not. So Salah has got 125 points from 13 million. If you cut that in half and kind of put it as 6.5 million, that means you're getting 6.5 million and about 60 points out of 6.5 million. So it's like getting an extra player's worth of points because you made that investment. So when you look at Bernardo, yeah, he's crept up the ranks, but he's only got 57 points. You know, we've talked uh, about uh, Foden. Is Foden even on that list? He isn't, is he? So this is the whole this is the whole thing about trying to find the correct combinations. So Jota being a guy who will play the false nine and therefore be in the box and be centralised to score and assist, when you're looking at him at 7.5 million, I don't really mind if he comes off the bench. It's fine because he did that last week and got eight points. So it's a big call that if you went as a, as a pair up with Salah and Mane, the, that's a lot of money to, to put forward. Now, in years gone by, that's what I always used to do because even though you put them forward, they scored every week. Now, 
Mane's showing that he's second on this list. He's got 71 points. But look at the difference between Mane at second and then Saar at the bottom of these top scorers. He's got 53. He's only 18 points behind. So anyone really between Mane, Mane and Saar here is viable. You know, Bruno Fernandes wouldn't say 11.7 is particularly viable. But when you're looking at the likes of Bowen, you're looking at Ben Rama again, obviously hard runner games for West Ham coming up. But then you talked about Sun and I think Smith Rowe as well at 5.9. Gallagher at six. These are players that are going to carry on getting points. They might not be right on Mane's toes in a week or two or three, but they're going to be nearly there. And it's about knowing how to spend your money. And I think Foden and Bernardo are an absolute brilliant double up because even if they don't start games, they will still get points. It happens every season with Man City. Question here, Rob, saying about Jamie Vardy. Now, something that I've been considering, I've had Jamie Vardy in for, well, as soon as he stops scoring, that's when obviously my luck runs out and uh, I bring him in and he's just done nothing for me, really. I think I'm evaluating him because his form hasn't been great. Although Leicester have good games now. They're quite high up in that that we showed earlier. There could be a strategy where you take out Vardy and bring in Sadio Mane and then you go for a Salah Mane double up. Yeah, look, this is all about how do you play the premiums. So you will see with my team at the end there that that I don't feel the pressure to go premium at the moment. So that when we talk about strikers, we talk about Vardy. He had that run of, I think, almost about, I think, eight games out of 10 where he scored or assisted. And that's why he was so he was at the top of the striking charts. And that's why he's still kind of towards that top end. But I would resist him at the moment just for now, because you can go and put that money in other parts of your team, especially the fullbacks, and go and get yourself a Reese James. You go and get yourself uh, a Trent Alexander-Arnold. There's a lot of these attacking options that are giving consistency, whereas, as you just said there, Jamie Vardy's kind of lost that at the moment. However, if you don't want to do it this week, then you might want to sit on Vardy just for one more week and see what Leicester do, because I think there's either going to be a little bit of a knock-on for Leicester in the sense that uh, the Brendan Rodgers links to Manchester United are now being quashed a little bit. So is there going to be a bit of a refocusing at the football club? Um, their performances haven't been good for a few weeks. And are they going to find a way? Because that's really what Brendan Rodgers has to do now. And Leicester have got a good run of games. So it's a little bit, again, about spinning the wheel. But I think over 10 million, any player over 10 million, you have to give really, you know, intrinsic deep thought about whether you want that player in your team when you could bank that money and then use it on a play in the following weeks who might be seven eight nine million and giving much better consistency it's definitely what i need to think about this week because i've got vardy um who i'm considering i I might have to leave him this week so i don't want to go and knock minus eight points off my uh off my points total and make three transfers i've got to address the uh the Chilwell issue, so that will be with Trent. So it might be a fact, might be an idea. I just bring in Trent, and I wait till next week, and then I I look to move Vardy out, and then maybe bring in Sadio Mane and and bring in a more budget striker. Maybe someone uh, like Puki is just an example. I haven't had a chance to have a look yet, and then do it that way. Yeah, right, we're going to cool. move on. We're going to move on to. Um, well, we've spoken about Bernardo Silva and we've spoken about Foden, but let's talk about City's defenders quickly as well. You're seeing Cancelo up there as well. Is Walker an option at five and a half million as well? He's still uh, good value for money, but he's not been as effective on the front foot as, say, Joe Cancelo. 
Yeah, the reason why I kind of created this slide as well yesterday was to kind of just to show the the differentials in points totals from midfielders and defenders. So we think of obviously a city as a creative team, as I just reiterated there, their, their midfielders don't necessarily have to play to get points because they'll come off the bench and get you points. But just look at City's defence. So, Cancelo, a creative, someone who basically plays in midfield anyway, 6.6 million, 79 points. If you have not got Cancelo in your team, then stop playing FPL. You know, this is the whole point. It's such an easy pick that at 6.6, there's no real issue there in terms of budget, value, anything like that. Now, you just talked about Walker there. Now, look at the difference between the two fullbacks there. Cancelo at 79 points, Walker at at 44 that's a much bigger choice isn't it i think when you look at that so i would i would kind of be a bit more cautious about the rest of city's defense and then kind of switch that money into the midfield so just going back over to the left hand side here of the slides obviously shows that bernardo is the top and top by a significant amount now 57 points to foden's 41 but as a double up you know look at someone like rodrigo who's the defensive midfielder scored obviously a scorcher last week 5.5 million. Don't get fooled by this whole defensive midfielder lark. One of the things that I say on the masterclass a lot is there's no such thing as a defensive midfielder anymore. You might be in that role. You might be sitting a little bit deeper, but most top defensive midfielders can go and play. If you're Kante or Rodrigo, you can go and do it at the other end of the pitch. 5.5 million is budget. And you're going to get 37 points back for him. That's two points more than Gundogan, who was the top uh, points gatherer last year for Man City in those positions. Kevin De Bruyne, obviously being in and out of the team, 11.8 million. He's only got 29 points. Sterling, 27 points. You know, Pau Torres is one of my tips, 26 because of injuries. Mares, you know, 25. So there's a sliding scale there, isn't there? But it shows that those players at the top doesn't necessarily have to be your traditional point getters. You could go here for, say, a double up of Bernardo and Rodrigo. That would only give you an outlay of about 13 or 14 million. And that would have given you 100 points almost. So combinations are really important. And then looking at future games. Manchester City have got a really nice run. And if you pick two of any of those at the upper echelons of these two charts, you'll be doing well. Something to add, Rob, as well. I don't think I've seen any other team who have spread the points out as almost equally as the Manchester City midfielders. You often see, don't you? You see like two or three players at the top with all the points and then you see players less. But that just shows as well that Manchester City don't have that focal point really in attack. You know, They don't have that player who's getting all the goals, they're spreading the, spreading the goals and the assists around the team. And it shows as well that in some ways City is a difficult, still a difficult prospect to choose. You've got Pep Roulette, but they also... I mean, Bernardo, I wouldn't have thought Bernardo would be there at the top of the season. We thought when, when Ferran Torres scored that hat-trick, he'd be he'd be uh, the main man playing at false nine, and he sort of dropped off the map. So City are difficult to predict, but I think if I was choosing City, I've got Foden. Uh, Bernardo was someone I was thinking of bringing in for Foden if he was injured. Uh, difficult to predict, but at the same time, they'll give you returns. So not a difficult pick. So that's the thing. If you go for two of those four at the top, you're still going to get points. Don't worry too much. Just look at the run of games. And if you look at that and you say, you know, Foden is fit, he'll play the false nine, then you stick with Foden. That's the way of doing it. Whereas if you want someone like Rodrigo who might get forward from set pieces in certain other matches, say against Burnley or, or teams that are a little bit more, uh, you could say, industrial in that way, you might then pick someone at 5.5 million. Absolutely. Now, guys, we're going to talk about Jaden Sancho. Great goal midweek. Delighted, obviously, myself and Rob, both United fans, so we're Delighted to see that new manager coming in as well. A manager that will 
really probably like Jaden Sancho and what he can offer. We're also going to talk about Donny van der Beek. So you can see on the screen here on the graphic, we've got Donny van der Beek's numbers uh, on the left-hand side at Ajax, and uh, that's goals and assists. And then we've got Jaden Sancho's on the right. So you look at Donny van der Beek. Let's start with van der Beek, Rob, uh, on the left-hand side. So, you know, eight goals and uh, is that five assists, I believe? Um, was that in his last season before he joined Manchester United, which is a really good return for a midfielder. Um, and then you've got... Uh, the year before, that was nine goals and 10 assists. So, you know, he's he's obviously getting in more advanced positions. We saw Van der Beek come on and score against Watford. He looks like he possibly could get more game time under Michael Carrick, maybe this weekend. And then when Ranier comes in, I do expect someone like Van der Beek to get more game time. And then you've got Jane Sancho as well. Look, his Dortmund numbers are absolutely ridiculous. You're just looking at it here. He's He's got so many goals, so many assists. Carrick started him midweek. I imagine that he probably will start on the weekend as well on that right-hand side. Would you be now looking at these two who have been on the sidelines? And would you also be looking at Cristiano Ronaldo? Because new manager bounce is a, is a real thing. Avoiding Manchester United is like the plague <laughs> since actually Ronaldo came in. Um, would you be considering anyone of these players or maybe even a left field choice, Bruno Fernandes at the moment? Not Bruno, too expensive as it stands. But yes, these two guys I would certainly be looking at. So you said there about Donny van der Beek. If you look at his career numbers, and the reason why I've put these up is, of course, these two guys do not have any Premier League numbers, nothing significant, because Ole Gunnar Solskjaer didn't play them. So Donny van der Beek's been in England for a year, but we haven't really seen what he can do. Uh, Jaden Sancho's been here five minutes, but again, not really given a run in the team. When you look at uh, Donny's numbers here, he's a kind of 10 and 10 guy. Classical kind of attacking midfielder, 10 goals, 10 assists a season. Is that something he can replicate for Manchester United? Well, maybe. But if Bruno does play, that will impinge his numbers, his attacking numbers, his, his ability to go and get goals. But we did see he came on, obviously, the, the Watford thrashing at United, played really well for 45 minutes, got his goal, looked like he meshed well with Ronaldo and the, and the forward players. So I wouldn't get too high about Donny yet. Let's see what happens. But this is all about Ralph Ranić. This is about how Ranić will play, what kind of system he'll do, and how long it will take him to make United viable. Now, United fans are excited. I'm excited. You're excited, Haydar. You know, been calling for Ranić to come to United for a little while um, and obviously completely delighted about that. But how long will it take for him to be able to find these things, these formulas to get players going. So I think Michael Carrick said today in his press conference, and he kind of alluded to this about ideas and about how you, how quickly players can pick up ideas. It's true that a player can pick an idea up almost in, in one day of training. Almost in one day, you can listen to that coach and go, yep, I know what he means because it's it's the kind of it's how I think about football. And then I'm going to apply the science that he's putting into my brain. And I think that that will work quite well with certain players. And I think that these two are the easiest two. So, you know, will Bruno want to do a bit of Gagan pressing? Will Ronaldo want to do it? We don't know. We think they probably will. But again, holding fire. But the big winner here is Jaden Sancho. Jaden Sancho was a player that Ranić tried to sign at Leipzig when he was at Manchester City. So he met Jaden Sancho before he went to Dortmund. He offered him a contract said that he thinks he was going to be one of the best players in the world and he wanted him at Leipzig. And it was very, very close, but he ended up at Dortmund. So that's something we obviously we are we are fully aware of. It's no surprise 
that Manchester United have given the job to Ralph Ranick and a longer term contract when Sancho was brought to the club as the future number seven saviour of Manchester United and a player that needed to be on the pitch to create and get goals. When you look at his numbers here on the right hand side, you know, they are astonishing. 44 goals, 54 assists in kind of three and a bit years. It's It makes him the elite wide player in Europe, in any of the leagues, in terms of re- uh, the returns that he, he gets consistently. But what's he done for Man United? One goal. That's it. Nothing else. But he did that in his one start. So I think that there is a, a belief that Sancho is now going to explode, that he will get numbers. Even if he doesn't have the performances that he really wants to, he is perfect for Gega pressing. The counter press is perfect for Jaden. He can get the ball in good areas of the pitch. He can feed people and he'll be able to, he, he will feel more natural with the way Ranjink plays than he ever, ever did with Solskjaer. Because 4-2-3-1 could have worked, but because United were so rigid and didn't have that fluidity, it never worked for him. That's why he didn't play games. Whereas Ranić, being someone that is a big fan of Sancho as well, I think that that's something that you'll see from day one. I think they'll come in and I think Ranić is, you know, he's a specialist anyway, getting the most out of players. But Sancho, I think, is a pet project of his. I think he looks at Sancho. He, he knew that when he was a teenager, he wanted him then and didn't quite get him. I think he's quite happy now that coming to Manchester United, he's got this elite level talent. And Sancho might now about to be the big differential in FPL. Yeah, absolutely. Comment here, Rob, saying planning on swapping Sancho for Rafinha when the fixtures change. Yeah, when United get Chelsea and Arsenal out the way, they've got a nice run of fixtures. Ranić will be in the job then. His first game will be against Arsenal, then he'll be in the job and he's got an easier run. So you really could see Jane Sancho explode. Rob, we're going to talk about your team now as the final bit of the show your Game Week 13 show. Before I do that, I'm going to read out this team here uh, from Kieran. And he said that he's got Foster, Livermento, Cancelo, Trent, James. Wow, so he's fit. Cancelo, Trent and James all in his side. He's got South Foden, Gallagher, Smithrow, Jimenez and Sam Maxwell with four and a half million left in the transfer kitty for next week. That's a really good side, isn't it? He's fit all three defenders in. Still got Mo Salah, still got Foden. Gallagher's had a great season. Jimenez is a really interesting option as well. Really strong team. Very strong, but most importantly, most impressively in there, 4.5 million left in the transfer key. January transfer window, only a month away. Sit on that money, recycle that money when you need it. If you want to go over premium there, want to find a way into those markets in case someone pops off. Someone like Mane might might go really hot now, you know, might have a, a run of five, six, seven games where he scores in every match. Then you've got cash in the bank. This is what I've said before. So you're just saying there, Cancelo, Trent and James. I've also got those three in my team. So I've gone very defensively heavy and those those three players will be mainstays in my team no matter who those clubs play. So I don't care if Chelsea are playing United or Real Madrid or a team from the moon. James is going to play for me. You know, it's the same for Trent. It's the same for Cancelo. And I've brought this week, this is my squad. Normally I would put the team up about how I'm going to fix my team out. But I've not done that yet because I want to have a little wait and see for the rest of tonight and for tomorrow morning. But uh, Regulon at 5.1 million, I think is a no-brainer. And Livermento, so I might go five at the back this week. I really might, you know, because I think all of those players are creatives. They're all going to get forward. They've been getting returns on the front foot and they must also get clean sheets. You never know. So I stuck with Sanchez, even though he was um, 
suspended last week and I'm happy that I did because Rams only got me one point, but that's okay. It's just what it is. Uh, but they're a good rotation between the two. Then in my midfield, talked about the double ups there. I've gone for Bernardo and I'm sticking with Foden. And then obviously keeping the other double up of Salah and Jota, holding on to that. One player I'm not really hot on anymore is Townsend. Brought him in. He's done nothing. I think he's had four or five weeks of two points, two points, two points, two points, two points. Cheers. So I would probably move him out at some point, maybe soon. Um, Smith Rowe, Rob. I'm surprised you haven't actually had taken a punt. Because I, because yet. I, because because I've brought Bernardo and uh, Regulon in. So the point. This is the point. Is that it's you don't overplay your hand. Like I'd, get, I'd like to get rid of Townsend, but he's on my bench. So so what? You know, like he might relight this week. You know, he might have a really good week and get 15 points, and then suddenly I'm thinking, ah, like I did with St Maximin. So I wanted to get rid of St Maximin last week, and I thought, let me just stick, hold on to him, and I'm going to take Wang out my team and put St Maximin in because they're playing Brentford. I like the matchup, and he paid me off. It worked. So that's the way I look at it. So Townsend, I will, you know, he's kind of the first on my list to go next week. But stuff changes so quickly, especially with injuries. So then up front, so Maximus has just said, Antonio, sticking with him for now, but he might be the guy downgrade to bring some money out, 7.8 million. I quite like the look of Dennis at 5.2, 5.3. And then I might not even play any of those strikers. Might put them all on the bench. Might not even be interested. Might go with kind of five and then kind of four from my def- uh, from my midfielders and maybe just picking one, uh, depending on matchups. So I think this year the value is all in defence. Go for defenders because these defenders at five and six million are going to give you much bigger returns than these attackers at five and six million, except maybe the odd one like Dennis. And then you've got to kind of decide about your premiums. And as I said, for me, it's Salah. But he's really the only, Salah and Alexander Arnold, the only two premiums I've got in my team. I feel very comfortable with that. You know, normally every year you'd want at least three if you can, squeeze them in, but then you're making the margins much smaller. Uh, and I'm pleased with that, with how this squad looks. It feels fresh to me. It means that I, I could pick different combinations. If literally one minute before the deadline on Saturday it comes and I find out that someone's got injured that morning, then I've got a little bit of room for manoeuvre. And then if there's substitutes, I'm also happy to see some like Huang or St. Maximum come off my bench. And there it is, guys. That is Rob's Game Week 13 team. Make sure you go and check out the Ralph Ranick video we did the other day. We did a tactical analysis on how he was set up with Manchester United. Make sure you also go and check out the Pochettino one that we did. He is the front runner for the job after Ralph Ranick. Rob, you got anything to add to that? Now, just to say that, obviously, thanks to everyone that supported the show. We've had incredible feedback and numbers in the last few weeks and days. Um, just to say about the FPL show, we're also really happy that a lot of you guys are enjoying it. Uh, obviously, it goes out live on Twitter every week. That's something we do. But from in the future, we're going to be just running the show through YouTube. So now what we really need from you guys is to come over to YouTube subscribe like the show share it around it's really important that your retweets go out saying that you're enjoying the show like you have been doing because it just grows our audience and it just means that we can have a better show as as we go through the weeks it's quite amazing that we're already into like game week 13 14 it feels like the season's zipping along Uh, and who knows maybe we'll get some manchester united returns soon from some of our our main core base who watch the masterclass let's let's hope Jaden sancho pops now that randy's arrived absolutely and guys as always give us a follow on at tf masterclass give myself on at hayda underscore robani and give rob a follow on at underscore rob underscore 
Have a lovely rest of the week. Good luck for Game Week 13, and we'll see you all next time. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.